Prepare thine ears, prepare thine bum. For the things we think about podcast has come. Now for your hosts, Kenny and Aaron. All right, what is up, everybody? This is episode two of Things We Think About with Kenny and Aaron. How's it going? Kenny, how you doing? Welcome, everyone. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, hopefully, we have... Uh... You know, a handful of things that we can dive into. Some esoteric, you know, some lighthearted. How you been doing? Not bad. It's been a pretty good week. I mean, uh, it's it's been a tiring week. I'm, you know, school work, school work. So, uh, yeah, that's interesting. I just found out I'll be switching shifts soon to second shift. So it shouldn't affect too much, you know, podcast wise. But uh, it'll be a little bit of a life change. It's been a while since I've been on. Second shift, yeah, okay. swing shift. Yeah, that that uh, that always got to me working restaurants. You know, um, just I, I'd find myself staying up later and later and sleeping in later and later, so that eventually I was almost like a third shift where I was just backwards, living backwards from the rest of society. Yeah, no, I I remember those times <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I'm um, sure you do. Yeah. <laughs> just like only having two hours right before you go to work. Like you pretty much wake up and it's like you maybe get an hour or two and then, oh, you're like, shit, I got to go to work right now mm-hmm. or I will get fired. Yep. So. Then you get home and stay up until 4 a.m. <laughs> Good times. I remember it well. But um, so uh, so tell me you you told me you had an experience uh, quite a bit of an experience with some uh, marijuana. So let's let's get rolling on that. Okay, yeah, we can dive right into that. Um, so over the last week, I actually had two separate batches of edible brownies. Um, so this being my first real experience with those, um, you know, I've. I've smoked marijuana before but uh you know just a couple of hits uh you know i don't remember feeling any any changes or any effects really from that um but from the brownies though let me tell you i definitely did uh, the first batch was a little bit milder and and weaker um i think it was just maybe made with just the butter and and not the oils but um but yeah so there was uh, definitely some sensory changes um right off the bat you know once it started kicking in um i started to feel sort of a hyper focus which was which was kind of neat um and then you know some sensory changes where my senses weren't dulled at all but but it seemed like um all my sensations were like uh sort of diffused throughout my whole body instead of local like if i poked my skin it felt like I felt it all over instead of just in that one spot, which was kind of strange. Um, but uh, overall, you know, I don't know that the the marijuana effects are something that I would be uh, looking to pursue all the time or anything like that. You know, I was really kind of just looking for the, uh, you know, the full experience at least once to, you know, to see what it was like. That second batch, though, was a heck of a lot stronger. Um and you know the effects were similar but there was more of uh it was more like the effects of alcohol where i just felt a little bit like more tired and um i don't know just uh that stereotypical high feeling which yeah. you know i'm not crazy about that feeling but you know it was an experience the first batch was nice though i i feel like that actually had some like i could have sat down with my guitar and wrote a hit song and you know yeah meanwhile yeah like going over the you know the secrets of life in my brain you know i don't know (laughs) or at least write a hit song until you next morning when you're like oh this is trash and i mean that's always my process (laughs) so um so yeah you've had some experience as well correct for sure, yeah. Um, and lately, I've kind of had, I've been blessed with uh, quite an abundance of edibles and things. My sister has a friend in Colorado, so she sent some stuff up, and she also has visited there and, and got some stuff that she's brought back. Mostly just gummies, uh, a couple of waffles, actually. I don't know. It, it, there's so huh. much you can do. I kind of wish you would actually bring back just the butter and the oil so we could actually cook different things like uh hummus i don't know why hummus has always appealed to me 
Like, uh, for instance, I heard weed hummus. I'm just like, oh my God, you can be healthy and uh, a pothead. Uh, how cool. Um, even though I don't really partake either. Um, but yeah, the, my late, my latest experience was I took two gummies and, um, it was just like, um, I don't know. I was tripping balls. I, I don't know how else to describe it. I, I think of that GIF, that Neil deGrasse Tyson GIF where he's in the spaceship and it's like, you know, it's, it's really intense. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but, um, at first it, it, it sucks cause it kind of just sets in just a little bit. you you start to, when you mentioned that hyper-focus or whatever, to me that always, uh, that feels just more like you're, that's the first sign you're aware that it's kicking in. Like something in your body is triggering you and saying, Hey, it's coming. And, um, so yeah, I definitely did. Um, I was, as the first time I felt, it wasn't quite paranoia, but it was like, I knew I was super high and getting up, like I had to really focus on just even standing up, going to the drinking fountain, things like that. Um, I should mention I was in a library at the time too. So that was a, that was also interesting. Probably not the best choice, the safest place to do that. But, um, but yeah, and then I just, I mean, I passed out. Like I, I think I got probably around 10 hours of sleep that night. Um, so these days it seems like, it seems like the more you do it, um, I should say, uh, for me, the more I've done it, that it just kind of becomes more of a tiring agent than anything. And I've all, I read up on some of the effects. I think it actually does mess with your sleep in some way. I'm not exactly sure how, but I saw that and it kind of depressed me because if you can't get great sleep on it, it sucks that it puts you to sleep. So, but, but that being said, I, I feel like I did, um, get decent sleep on it. It was, I didn't feel like deprived at all. So I don't know how, how, how did you sleep after your. Yeah, experience? actually I, I did go to sleep, uh, well under the effects both times. Um, and I, I felt like actually the, at least the laying down and getting into that sleep mode was a lot more relaxing. And I was, you know, kind of more in the zone. My mind wasn't racing as hard, you know, like it sometimes does when I lay down. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I kind of feel like it would be an okay sleep aid. I mean, I wouldn't use it for that all the time, at least. Um, yeah. But, you know, I know people who take it, you know, for headaches and and for other things. So if you have things that ail you, maybe, maybe it helps you sleep, you know, by proxy of helping with those other things that would otherwise hurt your sleep. I don't know. Uh, but head back here for a second. Take me on a journey. You mentioned uh, the paranoia effect i didn't experience that at all either time but but i'm yeah. curious what that was like for you i think it well like i said I, i'm not sure if it was paranoia it was just more of my i had such an acute awareness that i was super high that i knew that if somebody came up to me or interacted with me they would it would be pretty obvious and um you know i'd be found out that i was high and yeah i don't know i mean the first time i ever got high um and i, I think i've told you this before but basically I, I was going to, I was on a bus with my sister. We were driving to, um, we were on a bus going to shoot. Where was it? Oh, San Francisco. And for whatever dumb reason, uh, one of our friends gave us some pot brownies or no cookies. And I, I ate them. I slept on the bus. When I woke up, it just, I mean, hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, and the first thing I remember saying is like, oh my God, I was just laughing a bunch. I'm like, I get it now. This is why people do this. <laughs> so, um, you know, it was just like, that was the first time I realized, okay, maybe people are using this for medication or to feel a way to not feel anxious, basically. Um, for that, I feel like it's super effective. People who are maybe highly anxiety, uh, uh, you know, have high anxiety or whatever, it would be really effective um, amongst the other things like the headaches. But yeah, I think the, the paranoia per se was more just like, oh, well, um, someone's going to see me high. And they're going to, I'm mm -hmm. in a public place too. So I wonder if that had something to do with it. Cause like, oh, and I was going to say too, the first time I was high in San Francisco, I had to go to the, uh, I was, we had to change our flights and I went to the flight attendant and I was very much aware, like, shit, I'm really high right now. Hope she doesn't notice I'm high. Like, it's okay, like, what that, are they going to do? <laughs> Even if you That were. does make quite a bit of sense. Yeah. I guess if you're, you know, in a normal social, social situation, 
um, my first time I was out at the racetrack uh, playing a gig with my band, and that was the the first dose. Um, so you know, it would have been a normal thing out mm-hmm. there. Uh, and the second time, I was just at home. So yeah. you know, maybe that's why I didn't have any of those kind of those kind of feelings. Yeah, and I think it depends on how high too, because I if you know if I wasn't that high, I probably would be okay with it or more okay with it. I'd just be like, oh, I know I'm. I know I'm high and I might just be a little slow, but with the two gummies, I just felt like I'm so high that even I'm having trouble controlling what I do. So I, I don't like that feeling as much. And that was always essentially my qualm was with, I mean, drugs in general, like the loss of control, the loss of faculty, you know, I've always been a big proponent of always, I guess, control maybe. I mean, that's might be more of a, a psychopathology thing. I don't know, but, um, just uh, being aware and, and awake for things and trying to brace them head on. But obviously uh, I can see any multitude of situations where that's not uh, optimal. So. Yeah, I think you're, I think you hit an important point there. Uh, you know, one of the things people repeat like a mantra is the set and setting and how important those two things are, you know, make sure your mindset is right. And you're in a, appropriate place or setting you know to partake in these types of things otherwise you know it kind of ruins experiences less point in even doing it mm-hmm. but yeah like you i can't see doing it all the time i mean i don't see you know i guess for me it's not something i would i feel the urge or the draw to do more um so I know. I guess that's good or bad. Maybe it's good in the sense that I won't spend money on it. I mean, it's one less thing to, you know, spend money on. Because a lot of the stoners I've known, I mean, man, that's a, that's definitely worked into their budget. You know, like it's it's a necessity. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, sometimes dwarfing their grocery budget. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean that too. All the side effects. Speaking of munchies, I don't. Um, that's the thing. I. I don't, I did, I feel like I didn't get munchies the time, any time I've done it. I feel like actually, for whatever reason, my, I get dry mouth, first of all, and whatever I eat kind of has, I can feel extra grittiness or whatever, or maybe I'm just like, I'm really experiencing the texture more than the flavor. Um, so it, it's never quite uh, correlated mm-hmm. with me. So I don't know if you get that or not. The classic munchies, the stereotypical munchies. Yeah, you know what? Uh, maybe because it was brownies, uh, I didn't have any munchies, but uh, definitely thirst. Uh, you know, I, yeah, I, yeah. I was, I was definitely on the hunt for water most of the time. I was, I was high. <laughs> yeah, um, so it, it definitely it serves to dehydrate you, I guess, or something, or at least make you feel like it. Yeah, um, hard to say. Yeah. So, but you know, one thing that would be that that I would try it again for specifically is trying meditation and mindfulness mm-hmm. especially especially in a float tank um, i don't know if you've ever done that before uh, but a, a sensory deprivation tank where um, you know you get down in this tank of water that is uh, supposed to be completely enclosed so therefore completely dark and you know sound isolating so it's mm-hmm. completely quiet and then uh, you lay on top of this ultra dense water you know it's got like 800 or a thousand pounds of Epsom salts dissolved in it. So you get down in this tank and you lay on top of this water and it, after a few minutes, you know, you feel like you're just a, a mind floating in empty nothingness. Oh, and the, the water is the same temperature as the surface of your skin too. Forgot to mention that. Mm. So you get this, this sensation that you, you don't have a body that you're just consciousness sort of suspended. I would try it again for that, for that hyper-focus and sort of, uh, that deep meditation mindfulness. I think it'd be super duper useful for that if the dosage were right. Mm-hmm. So, so that's one, one instance I would try it again. Otherwise I don't think I have a lot of draw, you know, to return to it, but. Yeah, no, that sounds amazing. I mean, that would be definitely a time I would want to enhance an experience. And that's the thing too. It, it didn't seem to enhance anything. It just kind of made, mm-hmm. it made me more mellow than I normally would be. Um, I, I guess it did kind of, uh, I sensate, uh, enhancement a little bit. Like I, I felt, you know, my skin a little more, you know, like, uh, stuff like that, but not, not to some extreme level. 
So, but uh, yeah. So that was, that was your first time with edibles, right? You said? Yeah, correct. I, and, I, and prior to that, I wouldn't say, even though that I've smoked it a couple times, I wouldn't say that I, you know, smoked enough to get the high or, or experience the effects of it. It's kind of just a social thing, you know? Yeah. And we're in the same boat there, more or less, because, I mean, everybody I've talked to is like, oh, if you smoke it, it's like you can control it and get a, just a little bit, um, which I'm sure is true. I just, I hate the idea of smoke in my lungs at any point in juncture. Like, you know, we grew up in the sticks. We have enough, we had enough campfires. Like there's enough shit in there where I think we'll be okay. Agreed. Um, yeah. My parents were super heavy smokers too. So I was always, you know, almost to the point of repulsed by smoking in general, you know? So yeah, yeah I feel you there. I wonder how that plays out too, because, you know, I know a lot of, uh, it seems like most people I know who had parents of smokers, they don't smoke because of that reason you mentioned. Like my mom smoked and I, you know, I definitely was repulsed by it. Um, it must be 50, 50 or there must be other factors there. Cause my little brother smokes like a chimney too, even though, <laughs> you know, he would have been exposed just as much and, you know, heard me rant, ranting all the time about, about hating it. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's just when it's just a weird thing. Like we, I always feel kind of lucked out on. You know, I never really tried it. Never kind of. I was a little repulsed by it, but you know, just thought it was bad. It was stigmatized to me, at least enough to where I thought this is dangerous. I better not do this. Yeah, and, that uh, too. Yeah. But Plus, uh, I really wanted those rulers and slap on wristbands in the Dare program. <laughs> Couldn't get it done. Dare, Dare had some of the <laughs> sickest swag you could ever yeah. ask for. Didn't they though? Man. Yeah. I mean, the shirts, the logos, all the stuff. Too cool for or what was the slogan? Um, too cool to be on drugs. And it was a little B. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just remember that because I was. I remember walking in the fair. And uh, or the parade, like during the fair, and throwing out a bunch of that stuff. I don't even know how I got recruited, but yeah, that was that yeah. Was somebody fun. threw a lot of money into all that swag yeah. between Dare and remember the Pizza Hut book it, which oh, I man. think still exists, but no schools seem to be doing it that I know of anyway. Book it was ah. Oh, if you don't, best. if I ever had ever have children, I'm doing my own book it if if they don't have it because yeah, I mean, what an incentive! Pizza for children is like freaking crack it is such an incentive absolutely the idea of pizza i think is even more so than the pizza like you're getting something that isn't on a plate you don't have to sit around with your parents like i can eat this fucking triangle and just be insane for a while <laughs> yeah I, man there's it's magical that's the only way to describe it but yeah and if we i know we talked a lot about you know not going the sponsor route on this podcast but man if there's a Pizza Hut exec listening <laughs> and they want to, they want to throw down on some bucket sponsorships. Right. I mean, I, yeah, it's got my vote. Pizza Hut, sure. I mean, that's. I think that's aiming high. I'd, I'd go Tostinos, um, whatever the yeah, oldest brand are we is. Kidding? <laughs> so, I mean, we can just keep going. I mean, Seven Eleven has a pizza for Christ's sake. So we could. I wouldn't. You know, just to get pizza on the game in the game, basically. Um, I mean, but, we gotta we have to set a standard though, like yeah. not to not to talk down or, you know, to be throwing stones here. But friends mm -hmm. don't let friends eat five dollar pizza, that's right? True. Isn't that <laughs> I mean, it's got to be, uh, you know, that's a real bottom pizza. You know, when you hit your bottom, in <laughs> uh, most anywhere in life, you know, it's like there's not a lot of, uh, you know. There's not a lot of places to go but up if you're eating Little Caesars five dollars or Pizza Hut. Or, or sorry, Seven uh, Eleven Pizza, yeah, Pizza Pizza Hut's. If you you know you made it a little bit, just a little bit, you know. But um, yeah, I agree. And at least you know with Pizza Hut and levels above, you know, it, it, at least then you'll still be a regular pooper. You know, you won't have any problems there. <laughs> right, your digestive tract really, really thanks you. So, which I've you know I I don't know what it is. I've never had issues with that, but. I, you know, I guess when I don't eat it for a long time, if and then if I start on it again, it's like, okay, well, clearly my body is rejecting this, but, you know, I hate myself right now. So that's more important. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, 
So yeah, what a, I, I know we were mentioned about first. I was trying to think of other first times. Um, I was actually trying to think about the first time we met. And I remember, you know, I don't exactly remember the first time we met. I know that we had, um, we played football very briefly together, or we at least practiced together. And I actually found a journal, some some off obscure like composition notebook, and and once that were had written like, oh, you know, football practice is hard. Uh, Kenny seems cool. I hope I get to hang out with him more. <laughs> Yeah, I, have, I wish I, I mean, I, I think I still have it somewhere, but, uh, but yeah, I was thinking about first times and, and stuff like that. Huh. And I was trying to think of the first time we met, or at least had a memory of, of each other. I think it goes back a little farther, at least early middle school, because, um, uh, you know, I remember when I first started playing music and, um, you know, I was going to start a band, right. And, sure. you know, I was looking for to people to come alongside and, you know, start the Riders of Brohan tribute reunion tour. <laughs> and, uh, and I, you know, I'm just talking with people. I, I mean, it was a small school anyway, so I didn't know who you were, but, you know, people would, um, you know, suggest you as a singer because they heard you singing in the hallways and stuff like that. You know, so I think that's how we first started, got, how we got talking at first and, you know, started jamming a little bit. So, I mean, all that was way before like high school football. So, yeah. I love, I, I love the prerequisite too like oh he he's he sings because i've heard him sing in the hallway <laughs> he may not be any oh. good but he's at least doing it <laughs> he's someone oh, no. people wouldn't people wouldn't recommend you or refer to you if you weren't good <laughs> i mean yeah i guess yeah i, I don't probably know probably jamming on some lincoln park or something yeah i don't know how how, how harsh <laughs> the critics were back then um yeah, that that makes sense, and certainly that's when it for me became like, oh, that's when you came into the picture because you're right. I mean, I I did know of you, uh, you know, in school, but I didn't, uh, you know, I, the the person never materialized until we did the music stuff. So, and yeah, certainly the first time too, I remember playing. Uh, we were in Mr. Timlin's whatever that was that the hour we had an independent study, which is a joke. Uh, entitled, entitled only was an independent study. <laughs> um, and I remember playing, just picking up the guitar and strumming it randomly. And you told me, um, you know, man, your right hand's better than this other friend we know. Like you should, you should start playing guitar. And I'm like, oh yeah, maybe you're right. Um, so that's kind of when it kind of snowballed for me. Like, oh yeah, this is, this could become a thing. And and for the first time too, I felt like okay, maybe this could be a thing. Like before that, I was just kind of sliding around and clicks and different things. And like you mentioned, our school wasn't very big, so you know it's kind of easy to do. Yeah, I think that was the birth of a, a click per se. You know, that was kind of the birth of our uh, original songwriting uh, quote careers, for lack of a better word. Um, um, and man, I remember uh, sitting in the independent study. You know, we'd be playing stuff like that course of nature song which uh name escapes me oh uh, um, super pretty little ballad song yeah be bringing in all the upper class too. girls <laughs> yeah bringing the upper class girls in to let them listen panties would just fall right off yeah, yeah that's good times <laughs> it was like i feel like sun was in the title something of the sun i mean we could google it i'm sure but you know um yeah that was good times it was that was always awkward for me uh, cause I'm like, oh, we should play our music, but we shouldn't show anybody. <laughs> you guys wanted to yeah. show people. And I was always like, no, maybe we should, uh, just only play to ourselves forever. Cause I feel like a garbage. And I don't know why I had that impression like, you know, this is so bad. Like everybody's bad at that age, like no matter mm -hmm. what. Um, but you know, this is pre-internet. So we kind of didn't know that, or at least I didn't know that. Um, but I'm, I'm glad you guys had more pride in everything and wanted to, you know, pump it out to the public and make something of it. Yeah. You know, that's a funny thing, um, mentioned too, um, it kind of was before the internet was, was big or at least widespread. Um, you know, so I, th I felt like people cared about music more than, so if you played for someone, even if you were terrible, which we were, <laughs> you know, people still, people still were interested in it and appreciated it. And, you know, there's sort of a different experience than it is now playing for people, you know, even though 
our skill level have gone through the roof. You know, it's, it's just more, you know, people are just so much more desensitized to, to good or decent music now because it's just like coming at it from every direction, I guess. Yeah, music's kind of just everywhere. It's It's been utterly and completely democratized. Um, and, you know, because people would look at us, probably older people in their 20s and thinking, oh, man, if I still had my band from back then or if I was still playing, you know, so there's some there's some pipe dreaming going on in the audience, you know, which always played in, I think would play into our favor for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's interesting to think about Like we probably have shared a, quite a lot of different firsts together. Um, I know we, we lived, uh, you were my first non sibling uh, slash relation roommate. Uh, Cause we had that place uh, in Michigan uh, in Hillsdale. So, um, yeah, that was that was another first. Yeah, that was good times. That was also the first time, um, you know, I I was witness to a domestic violence situation because at that house, you know, we had those, you know, real rough neighbors where, you know, mm-hmm. a couple times a week, that dude next door would get to pounding on his lady, and then we had to call the cops or, you know, go knock on their door or whatever. Oh man, I just literally now remembered that. I I can't remember. I knew they were loud, but I always thought it was their kids. But I didn't. No, I can't they'd remember. go at each other too. I mean, I hate. I mean, I make it sound like you know he was the abuser. They were like fist fighting each other. You know. Yeah. I mean, she was about the size of him anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Which is I mean, pretty so, normal in Hillsdale. <laughs> so. And it was super awkward because she worked at McDonald's in Jackson. So when I moved up here, you know, I started seeing her around when I was getting my coke fix. Oh man. Super. I don't think she remembered me, but I definitely remember her. Yeah. You should have asked her, man. How's how are things? <laughs> not good. I'm working at McDonald's and you witnessed my husband beat on me, so probably not good. <laughs> um Yeah. Um I definitely remember that. I, I remember more that they would bitch so much when the moment we were loud at all. Um mm-hmm. and they were always loud. Like right in the morning too, because their kids would go off and then they'd go off. But the moment, even during the day, we would play drums, which granted drums are loud, but you yeah, know, during kind of in the, the afternoon, it's like, it's, it should be a little more acceptable. And I don't know, we were just not on right schedules, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were on those second shift schedules, so we probably did it a little too late at times. Yeah. I'm guessing. But yeah, I mean, you know, first first band, first uh, place together. Um, I think you may have been the first person I told about my deconversion from Christianity too. I think we kind of burst at that information. You may have told other people, I don't know, but I think you may have been the first or one of the first that I told um, about that. Yeah, I, I, not not quite likewise. Uh, you were definitely, you know, the top uh, three or four people to first hear the news um but uh, you know i kind of internalize everything so i i've been sitting on that one for i don't know months and months and that was kind of when i think we mentioned in the last episode where you know youtube was really coming into its own and we started seeing a lot of the you know the more uh in the more outspoken atheists kind of coming into their own uh, you know, watching debates and stuff on YouTube. So I, you know, I was I got real heavy into that stuff for a while, and just you know, would sit on it and think on it and think on it, and you know, take everything off the table, see if anything could go back on the table, and, you know, repeat that process over and over. So, you know, yeah. I, it's hard to remember who I told along the way at what times, but yeah, we yeah, I guess, I guess I, I thought maybe you had told your family too, uh, pretty early. My on. wife definitely, yeah, yeah. And then, um, yeah, a couple other yeah. people posted. Were you? Uh, that's right. Were you? Was that before you were married? That was after you were married. After, yeah, yeah. You know, which so, caused yeah. caused quite a bit of struggle though as well. Yeah. Yeah, for me it was. Um, I I wasn't seeing anybody at the time, but I was still attached to this this girl that I w- was seeing, who was a pastor's daughter, and um, uh, and she she took it very poorly and it was tough because I told her, you know, what I believed or what I didn't believe really anymore. And her parents were actually, um, in Argentina and, you know, doing missions. 
and she basically is like, Hey, uh, so do you think what they're doing is worthless or it's, it's pointless? And I said, well, no, but sort of, but no, <laughs> I mean, they're, they're doing functional good. Like they're actually there. I think at the time they were helping build houses and, and like infrastructure, basic stuff. Yeah, so that, that's great. But it's all at the cost of, you know, the message, you know, that's really what they, that's the exchange, you know, they want, they want the beliefs to be a certain way in exchange for goods and services, basically. And uh, that was, that did not go over well. And uh, we haven't spoken since. So that was the, that was kind of the first time I knew, oh, wow, um, you know, this can really change your relationships. It can end relationships. and that was not good, but it also signaled to me that, you know, that's, that's what, that's the cost of growth. That's the cost of, 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 of life, of moving on progression. So, and now of course I'm much, much more comfortable with that idea. There's not uh, really anything in the way of, you know, telling someone to beat it if you just don't get along that well. But it, I mean, I, you know, it was we like 22 ish, 23s and it was a lot more important especially because i'd been much really outside of michigan and that, those play in those small town places so yeah but the journey yeah, you you bring up a little side rabbit hole that um you know got me wondering uh you know regarding her parents being missionaries and and uh being overseas i always wondered what that dynamic was like you know, because obviously uh, missionaries will go to these other countries and, and they'll do something that is good, you know, build a school or build a, a bridge or, you know, wash some oily geese or whatever they do. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I always wonder, as they're doing these things, um, I, I do wonder if there's a transactional nature there. Like, so they say, you know, we'll build a school for you if you, you know sit through a sermon with us every night or something like that. I wonder how they interact or transact that, um, you know, because it's just a weird dynamic, right? They're going over to these uh, overseas places that they're, you know, they have no idea what the, the, the culture's like, you know, they're being funded by people from back home, usually their church, right? Uh, so they're just kind of showing up, you know, doing some work and then leaving, mm-hmm. you know, you know, I just, I, I've never done it myself. So I'm really curious what that dynamic is like. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a hundred percent sure myself. I, um, I guess another first time for me was my first time going out of the country was Guatemala. I, I did a mission strip, uh, courtesy of my uncle Brian, who basically came to our family and said, listen, I'm super Christian. I'm on fire. And, uh, I want somebody from our family to go and I'll pay for the airline you know, ticket in the passport. I'm like, hell yeah, yeah, free. I just, I thought of it even then, even in my Christian brain, then I'm like, whatever this is, I'm getting a passport and I'm getting to go out of the country. So I'm going to take him up on this. And that experience was interesting because we were near Guatemala city. First, first time out of the country is it's definitely a, you know, a third world country. I'm sure there's a better way to say that these days. Um, but you know, an underdeveloped country, uh, I remember the first time I, uh, um, the first time we got to the, it was like a orphanage and down the road was this church that we were uh, helping build and they were, you know, connected and I, you know, trash was everywhere. Trash is burning randomly places, you know, some, a lot of dogs with, you know, just teats hanging down to the ground because they just you know, I have puppies and puppies and puppies, Mm -hmm. just, just, you know, culture shock, stuff like that. However, the one grounding thing that kept coming back was every night I was there, we had Domino's pizza. (laughs) So (laughs) they just wanted to, you know, keep us kind of inoculated, I I think, uh, from the reality of what was really happening there. And the main guy, I can't remember his name. um, He's just like this friendly pastoral type uh he played guitar and things like that and he he ran the church um you know he 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 almost had two sides of him like when he was talking to us in english it was very sweet and, and gentle and he was joking and then like the moment uh he had to turn around and talk to somebody in spanish about something about the building it was like super snappy and 
And, you know, I, my Spanish isn't great, uh, but I feel like tone, the tone, just like even just comparing it to other people was pretty rough. So, I mean, I guess my, my point is, you know, I, I'm sure they have a short leash for, you know, what they allow uh, to go on within their organization to, you know, kind of work with the Western churches and, and things like that. There's definitely requirements like they whoever they choose to build up as deacons and elders within the the mission churches you know are on pretty short leashes um you know i would imagine but i guess i don't know for sure yeah i think it's actually the opposite in a lot of cases where yeah. um you know the the characters that rise to those uh positions or you know yeah position if you will um in my experience, they seem to be the narcissists. They seem to be uh, the ones that will play two sides, the ones that will, you know, they're really kind of just there for their own gain and they like the power and they like the attention. So, mm -hmm. you know, they, they get to head up this, you know, this local church or whatever, you know, they got the power there. But then they've also got this, you know, the sugar daddy church overseas that just yeah. keeps flooding them with resources, right? So yeah. kind of just so there seems to be two sides to these types of people most of the time. So when you mentioned that, you know, it struck a chord with me because I've seen that a lot actually. Mm -hmm. Not that I've done missions and been overseas a lot, but just with the type of characters that come into those positions in the church. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely not uh, exclusive to, uh, you know, different countries i think it's a it's a clergy kind of quality to have i mean Indeed. there's yeah. a, there, just like any any uh, performance profession there has to be some streak of narcissism in you to say oh i really desire to go on stage and to be heard and you know to be important in some way um just this the weird thing about christianity is it's like um and a lot of the faiths really is is you're supposed to be this humble person who doesn't want to do that you know it's supposed to be done more in private and stuff like that but you know that's the essence of of leadership so yeah it is and you know i don't want to harp on the church because it's not it's not exclusive to the church because yeah. obviously the other big social wing where you see that occur is politics right the most qualified people are the last people to seek an office like that, mm -hmm. you know, therefore the least qualified, you know, the most narcissistic are the ones that will pursue it and exploit it. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, no greater example than our, the, uh, the orange man right now. Um, <laughs> any of the Nick, all of the nicknames have been great too. Like Cheeto man or, or agent orange is good. That, that one's like <laughs> pretty harsh. Um, John Stewart's, uh, what was it? Clown face. Von fuck stick or whatever. Um, they've all, all been great. <laughs> and they all, and they all help you avoid saying that the word Trump, because that's like the moment it's, it, it's, you say that word, it's like, you know, you can just keep saying it and it gives power <laughs> and all that. Like it's almost a curse word. I'm, I'm characterizing, mm -hmm. characterizing now, but yeah. There must um, be something to that actually, you know, now that you're, mention it you know sort of the harry potter voldemort yeah. effect right you know you, you sort of uh give it mystery and power by you know the effect of he who must not be named you know you give him other names mm -hmm. even if they're ridiculous names you know you sort of i think it has a psychological effect uh that i'd like to think about maybe explore something like that in a future episode yeah for sure i mean how is it affected everything i mean it's not because it's not just him exclusively but it's the name it's just names in general and their power and um and yeah. all that so but yeah um that was the that was my first time missions um first time out of the country i'm trying to think if that was actually my first plane ride ever it might have been because i can't remember before that if i had flown anywhere else because i was still in well i was in indiana so that was like a big, big two firsts. Um, yeah. <sighs> I'm trying to think of other, other good first times. We could edit out the dead air. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so.
Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but you know, there hopefully will be some future firsts. Um, you know, we talked a little bit before about you know maybe looking at an ayahuasca experience. Right. You know, whether in the states or abroad, probably in the states. You know, if we can figure out how to do that. But uh, yeah. you know, and also maybe maybe psilocybin shrooms. You know, now that they're illegal or decriminalized in Denver, yeah, maybe there's more an legal. opportunity there. We should we should do a whole series on just us trying to get it, you know, and doing it like the whole from start to finish, the whole journey. What you mean, like strap on GoPros and go ask street <laughs> street people if they know where we can get some shrooms? Yeah, oh yeah, I'm not a I'm not a opposed to that. See how squirrely they get. Yeah, yeah. Um, one first I'm interested in that you have, but I don't, and may never have, is your first child. Uh, your first time uh, seeing that old little pound of flesh. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> so, I mean, what was that like? Yeah, I mean, it has all the stereotypical uh, or cliche magic to it. You know, it, all of the the feelings of extreme bliss and you know thankfulness, especially that they're healthy, right, and they're mm-hmm. they're not deformed in some way or handicapped. Um, but, you know, um, also, you know, some anxiety and just, you know, wondering and worrying about how you're going to approach parenting, if you're going to be any good at it, you know, because most of us aren't. Um, yeah, it's it's wonderful. But it's not like it's not something that, you know, you have a kid and then, you know, boom, that's the end of your experience, your, quote, first experience having a kid. I mean, it, it's like a progressionary thing you know every day is another first in that regard you know yeah that's true actually that's an excellent point children are first time machines and um <laughs> yes i hear i hear a uh, typical trope i hear is that parents one of the wonders they feel is just living again basically vicariously through their children seeing how their children experience things remembering then in those moments how they experience something to me that would be kind of neat I don't know if that's any true, that's true or not for you, but. Yeah, that is kind of neat. You know, there's two sides of that coin too, because you, you see yourself and then, right. So as they go through a little milestones, sometimes you remember uh, being sort of in their shoes and what that was like. So you can relate on that note. And then also you see, you know, some things come out in them that are, you know, what you think of as the the bad sides of yourself or the weak sides of yourself, you know, when you, you want to help them not be like you, <laughs> you know, yeah. in certain ways. Um, and that's hard because, you know, they're going to be predisposed to being like you because mm-hmm. they are from you. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a an incredible walk mm. to, to be, to be a parent. Um, yeah. yeah it's something that uh, you always, I want to be as good as I can at it, uh, you know, but never really sure how to go about it. Yeah. That, that anxiousness or worry or whatever, like you mentioned earlier and kind of like the unsureness really of, of how to do this right. Like how, are we, how can we nail this thing? It's cause it's different from building a patio or, you know, getting a riff right or something like that. It's, you know, you have human life and it spans so long too. I mean, 18 years is no short journey. I mean, it could be even longer, if, um, you know, they're codependent in any way, <laughs> which, you know, I think parents in general don't want, but, you know, who knows how things roll. But, yeah, I, I imagine that's the thing to me that uh, used to always worry me, like when I had conversations about having children with exes and things like that. I'm just like, oh, I, you know, I would... I'm just wondering how good of a parent I'd be and my parents weren't the greatest. So if, am I going to be any good? And or maybe I'll be good because by default, by default, because my parents or my dad specifically was terrible. So that means I have to be good. And it's like, no, that's not true. There's no guarantee there. Uh, but the reality I think is mostly, and like any relationship, any experience is that they kind of just take away what they take away and there's no control either way. Um, and you you just throw the best stuff you can at the wall and, you know, something, something will stick. You just, it's hard. It'll be impossible for you to know what'll stick. And of course, once they become fully their own person as an adult, I mean, 
it's uh it's kind of just out there you know anyway yeah, absolutely i mean and i'm still kind of in the early years you know just i have two kids and they're they're both pretty young so you know most of the early years is really just a matter of keeping them alive sure like i mean even that comes with its own stresses right but it's it's really just a matter of keeping them alive mm-hmm. and you know uh, sort of the more wisdomful uh wisdomful periods or the the things that you the actual parenting seems like it happens a little bit later or starts to happen later um you know and that i mean i'm overgeneralizing like i usually do right but (laughs) no i mean i I get that i get that urge i mean i that's usually where my mind goes but honestly the more i learn about child development and things like that i mean they're learning a lot right now even if it's unseen or um, stuff like that, you know, they're learning quite a bit now, but it's hard to know how effectively to make that imprint uh, because the feedback they give is so limited. Like they can never, they obviously can't, um, you know, kind of articulate uh, how they're learning or anything like that, but you just, you know, but they can certainly hate something or like something a lot or throw something or, you know, react in those Mm -hmm. kind of very early developmental ways. So, but uh, that's true. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's fun, um, you know, sort of seeing their curiosity and, and playing to that and, you know, uh, you know, just, just helping them grow. But yeah, you, you know, my daughter said the other day, you know, that, uh, she wants to have a baby, but no husband because she wants to live with me forever. <laughs> you know, so, you know. Did you melt? Lot, oh, my God. She's... Did you melt or what? <laughs> I did you like, that's bullshit. Got, what are you talking I also, about? <laughs> I was also terrified when she said that. <laughs> terrified how? Like, like she thought for a second she was serious? <laughs> well, just maybe that it was a foreshadowing. Yeah, I mean, what what if she really were a twenty two year old girl with a baby and no husband living in my basement? Like, yeah, I mean, obviously we would let her do that, but it's kind of not ideal. Yeah, yeah, for them and you. I mean, hopefully, because we, I mean, we know friends that yeah, they have no issue doing that, Um, and it seems copacetic with the parents, but maybe it's just how we we in particular were raised, like. Cause yeah, I always got the like 18 fly the coop sort of message. And uh, that if you have to stay with your parents, it's looked down upon. Um, But I feel like that tide has shift pretty hard. Uh, You know, there's more kind of collectivism going on, at least in the familial level. So. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think we're seeing the destruction or the decay of the middle class in general in the U S. So it, you know, people are falling on some harder times, so it's making more sense for people to live with family. But uh, you know, you know, mostly just the, you know, the idea of having a kid by yourself, right? Or right. My, my daughter's kids by herself, like that's that's terrifying because, you know, that's that's not ideal for her. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, and the idea that you might have to parent again too that that seems kind of discouraging like i already did this i should i don't want to do it again <laughs> it sounds exhausting just thinking about it so people actually have to do it unless you're like really in it some people like that's a, such a big part of their identity is being a parent and um to take that away or to get a chance to do it again is like gangbusters for them but yeah, uh, that's true. i mean i don't know i i have never felt that way i don't know i'm curious to know how if that's shaped anything for you i um you know being a parent i suppose is a it's kind of forced into your identity but um if you kind of embellish it further than it needs be which i think is usually happens or can happen yeah i don't really know how to answer that so (laughs) so i have to write and when i had the second Mm -hmm. uh you know i i knew that although I would never have it any other way. Like I'm super happy about having some kids. Mm-hmm. I also knew it was time for a vasectomy. <laughs> so that's, yeah. that's what I did. And I, Cause I knew, and I know, and I still know, and I, I will always know that I, there's no reason whatsoever for me to have any other kids. 
anything outside of maybe you know adapting a, a travel kit or something down the line but uh mm. yeah i i think everybody kind of has an innate some sort of internal sense of you know what they're cut out for and if they have as much control over that outcome as they'd like you know they you know most people kind of have an innate sense and i knew the two was plenty i came from a family with just two kids you know mm -hmm. my, my brother and i um, so maybe that influenced that but and i also got a boy and a girl so another influencer yeah you're the uh, perfect yeah, little family nuclear family or whatever yeah nuclear family is very important and mm -hmm. I, I felt like we had reached capacity and we're exactly what we should be so yeah and plus your your back window doesn't have that much space for stickers those those mommy daddy <laughs> stickers <laughs> well, that, that's true it would change what, what vehicle i drive yeah that's really important um well that's good to know i mean uh but yeah, so thinking about first again, uh, just to just to kind of wrap up, I'm thinking about first for the future. Um, first time I'll have a master's degree will be next year. Uh, the first time uh, I'll move away from Orlando may be next year. Also, probably will be next year. Um, looking forward to that first. How about you? Any anything on the horizon that you you're looking forward to being a first? Hmm. Uh, as far as personal first, um, you know, I don't know of anything specific. Um, but regarding this channel or this podcast, you know, I think we can have a bunch of little firsts mm -hmm. where, you know, whether we, uh, you know, commit to reading a book separately, you know, each for the first time and then talking about some of the ideas here in this space. Um, you know, when we have the the drug first that we were talking about previously. Mm -hmm. uh, so those will be fun to dive into here on this channel. Yeah, no, that's, I totally agree. Um, there could be a lot of, of first right here. I mean, we just had our first episode, so. <laughs> yeah, um, But yeah, I mean, I like the idea too of just, you know, continuing with these concepts um, as episodes because there's a lot of, a lot of good stuff. So, well, gang, um, what do you think, Kenny? You got, you got anything else in the old brain box? Anything floating around? Uh, nothing else. We'll save it all for next time. Thanks, everybody, for joining us here on Things We Think About with Aaron and Kenny. If you enjoyed the podcast, remember to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can find more Things We Think About discussion on Reddit at r slash Things We Think About. If you're interested in contributing to the show, our Patreon information is available in the description of the podcast, as well as on any of our YouTube videos.